Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly, the podcast that has on average run a marathon. Um, so Chris isn't here this week because he's been off in Malta running a marathon. So I am Philippa B, uh, your host for this evening, and I am joined by Jeremy Smith, who has run two marathons. Hello, Jess. Hello. <laughs> Still recovering. Yeah, the uh, the arithmetically minded amongst you will have worked out from that that I have never run a marathon <laughs> and never intend to. Jesus, you're all crazy. So we're going to um, run into uh, what's been happening over the past week in French football, taking in multiple competitions. And for once, we're going to start in Europe with what was not a great night for French football in Europe last Thursday when the Europa League round of 16 happened. Because when the first legs happened, there were two draws and two losses. And we were like, well, that wasn't good, but maybe they'll pull themselves together next time. And that didn't really happen. So we had Marseille as the only one of the four French teams in this to go through. We'll come to them and give them their props in a bit. But it wasn't great elsewhere. Um, we had uh, Toulouse, who, after losing 2-1 at Benfica, drew 0-0 at home. And I feel like this is not wanting to start on a downer, possibly the most downer result of, of those um, those four. Not much happened. They didn't really put much together. Can we say anything positive about this or or what? I think, yeah, I mean, I, in general terms, I think we sort of joked in the past, this would be so typically French teams in Europe that in a sense, all of them got through, got out of the group stage, but barely any of them got to the, you know, they all got to that sort of purgatory in between and barely any of them got to the knockout stage, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And I think, I mean, in some ways, I think maybe Toulouse are the sort of most valiant losers because Toulouse are Toulouse. Benfica are not the, you know, obviously not Eusebio's Benfica, but they're certainly, you know, a European giant who are very used to playing European ties. I thought... They were very much helped out in the first leg by mm -hmm. a couple of dodgy penalties. Um, and I think in this one, Toulouse actually missed three or four pretty straightforward chances. So in some ways, it's the most frustrating because, you know, they in a way only got themselves to blame on the basis of the second leg. In other ways... I don't know, beggars can't be choosers. We'll sort of take the positives that we can. And they were very unlucky not to knock, to knock out Benfica. It's not much consolation when it comes to UEFA coefficients and things like that. But mm. it wasn't, you know, we'll come to capitulations later, but it wasn't your standard French team in Europe capitulation, at least. No. No, and uh, another team that... I think uh, we felt nil at home for Lance versus Freiburg 
I was slightly concerned that they seemed very happy with that because you know there's a second leg and the second leg, five of one, three, two, after extra time. So it was it was really kind of if if Lance could just have done a little bit more at home. But I think as you said last week in the in WhatsApp, they could have won, they could have lost. So it was a bit a bit odd. Um but that I think was gutting, but everyone seemed fairly happy after after that. I don't I don't quite know how to place this one either. Again, was it a valiant defeat or was it could have done better? I think like over the two legs it really could have gone either way. And I think there was some really good football played in two good atmospheres for both matches and possibly Lance were maybe a little bit lucky to get away with no no in the first leg I think probably Freiburg had the better chances and then the second leg maybe you could say Lance were lucky to to be 2-0 up but having gone 2-0 up um, and I think it was 2-1 sort of deep into injury time if I remember rightly then I guess you have to sort of put it a little bit kind of, you have to lean towards the capitulation side of the of the spectrum. But overall, I mean, I think they gave a good account of themselves. And, and yeah, as I said, it could have gone either way. It's just the frustration is, you know, from 2-0 very late into the second leg. Um, that That's the, yeah, that's the bit that hurts, I think. Yeah. I mean... Another uh, team that went out, but I think put up a really good show, was Wren, because they lost 3-0 at AC Milan. Again, not not a, a disgrace. And to win 3-2 at home with a trick from Benjamin Vugo, uh, two penalties in there. But... That, again, it puts them out, but that feels like it was um, a really positive home result. It was something they can hang their hats on. Yeah, we've beaten AC Milan at home. Yeah, is, I, I, that, is that something you think Ben fans will care about or will they just be pissed off they've gone out, if you see what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I sent a tweet during the evening saying this is sort of, French clubs in Europe, bingo, you've got like every kind of painful defeat. So the Toulouse is a sort of valiant defeat after being done a little bit by the referee. Lens was the throwing away elite and Rennes was the other end, kind of, um, you know, decent victory once it was all far too late. Um, But, and I don't think it was Milan's strongest team and... We'll get to Ren and dodgy penalties later, but this time I think they definitely benefited. The second penalty I thought was very, very harsh on Milan. Um, but I think, I don't know, I, I, I sort of don't want to say that Ren fans will be happy with that because that sort of speaks to the whole sort of inferiority complex that we yeah, as just happy to be fans there. have got anyway. Yeah, I mean, beating... Milan on a European night is always going to be 
great. There was a great atmosphere after that second penalty. Ren really went for it for the for the next twenty minutes or so. So we're kind of unlucky not to make it even closer. So I think Ren fans will have enjoyed that, but yeah, they gave themselves far too much to do after the 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 first leg. And it's not a vintage Milan. They're not in their greatest form either. And Ren are in good form at the moment. So. I don't know, maybe there can be a little bit of frustration there that they, they could have got something possibly out of the tie. Yeah. And so after the, um, as you say, the the um, desolation bingo, <laughs> we did have um, Marseille going through by beating Shakhtar Donetsk 3-1 at the Velodrome, goals from Aubameyang. <laughs> Saar and Kongdogbia um, around, actually Shakhtar went ahead early doors to a penalty from Sudakov. But this obviously was both Marseille wanting to do better after that uh, first leg where they do 2-2, having been pegged back twice with um, goals immediately, equalised immediately after they went ahead. Um, but this was also their first game under Jean-Louis Gasset after Gennaro Tusso was um, let go. So do we feel, was this a new manager bounce? Was it just reversion to the mean? What what was it, would you say? Uh, I guess it, it remains to be seen whether it turns out to just be a bounce or not. I mean, I would, they, again, Marseille were, slightly unlucky or slightly silly to to come away from the away leg with a defeat of having yep. taken the lead twice i think the second one quite late on um so i think you you would have expected them certainly to be favorites coming into into this tie and the weird thing with marseille this year has been in europe they've been they've had a very they've got a very good record you know they were unlucky in the champions league playoff but certainly in the europa league they they've done very well. They've been pretty free scoring. Aubameyang has maintained good form throughout rather than the kind of patchy form that he's had in the league. So I don't think it was a massive surprise that they won this, but it being Marseille and it being Europe, um, when they went a goal down, you sort of start fearing the worst. But I think it was you know good that they, they got that equaliser pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, yeah, I mean, you probably have to give Gasset a little bit of credit. Um, I think it, it we'll see sort of long term to what extent it works out. But he's kind of, I think, by all accounts, sort of the the exact opposite of Gattuso and and um, much more of a sort of arm around the shoulder and and man management rather than <laughs> arm around the shoulder that turns into a headlock or something. Um, so yeah, it probably. The players probably reacted quite well to that. They obviously had had a couple of players back from from the Afcon as well. Um, so yeah, it was positive. I mean, it shouldn't be positive. It should have been a run of the mill result, but considering the context, I think it was it was a really positive result. And Marseille then followed that up with Gasset's second match in charge, which was a four-one win against Montpellier again. Montpellier went ahead 
early doors, uh, Musa Tamari back from uh, the Asian Cup uh, with a lovely header to put them ahead. And then Fantastic assist as well. Everything, everything kind of went a bit pear-shaped after that, uh, which, given OM's record against um, Pompellier in the league, I think it's 10 games in the league that they are unbeaten at least, um, they couldn't have wanted for a better game to get them back into league form, I think. Let's possibly skate over that and look at some of the other games of the weekend in Liga. Um, the most exciting for me on the grounds that it was complete mayhem was Lens versus Monaco, which ended up 2-3 um, with <laughs> Monaco going ahead through Balogun, who shot well, falling over backwards. Um, then there was an own goal, then Wahi got one back for Lens, then Saeed came on as a sub and levelled it up for Lens, then um, there was a penalty which Samba saved from Balogun, he was kind of the guy that let the own goal in, so it was all going chaotic and then in extra time, Minamino on a wonderful solo run made it 3-2 for Monaco. It was fun. It was not massively reassuring if you're expecting either team to be able to defend at any point, but that was a, a more exciting Sunday lunchtime kickoff than I think we've seen in the past couple of weeks, um, which, again because of their respective places in the table, was also really interesting. So we've now got Monaco in third and Lance in sixth. But that was... Did you catch any of this? Because it was very good fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the sort of vagaries of how they pick uh, when matches will be played. And obviously, I guess, Europe's a factor. So it was always going to be a Sunday match after Lance played on Thursday. But... I'm surprised this wasn't sort of one of the the real headline, oh. headline matches, you know, maybe the Sunday evening match, because they're two very entertaining teams, both challenging for Europe, both with, um, you know, a handful of, of sort of uh, household names in the team. And I think that the match sort of lived up to expectations. I mean, it's weird that Monaco until last weekend, really looked under pressure and massively underperforming and, and Hütter was under, under I think, a lot of scrutiny. And now they've beaten Nice in the derby and 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 Lens away, which only really great teams and mess are able to do. Um, I think uh, this is... Oh, it, I know there, there wasn't the bad weather and there wasn't the, the red cards and the brawl, but it was one of those matches that sort of is reminiscent of, of Nick Hornby's kind of list of factors that make a perfect match. Um, as you said, it was chaotic. There were saved penalties. There was a huge, or not huge, but certainly big defensive and goalkeeping errors. There was a superb injury time winner. It did have a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. And again, it's one that I guess could easily have gone either way. Um, you know, just taking like 
Brisamba as, as an example, as we said, sort of saved a penalty from Balogun, who, by the way, has missed four in a row. And it's... has now been taken off penalty duties, according to Hutter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I guess if Ben Yedder had been on, he probably would have taken it anyway. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if you keep letting your striker take it until he regains his confidence, or you know, the the more you miss, the less likely you're going to score next time. But um, yeah, Samba saved that, but ultimately, I guess it didn't really make up for the the big mistake earlier, where he sort of weirdly kind of just lackadaisically helped the, helped the ball into the net um, from a very tight angle for for Monaco's second. And that was after Danso had very surprisingly been very easily muscled off the ball um, by Balogun for, for Monaco's first. Um, I'd, I'd say Balogun versus Danso it wouldn't have seen that coming out that way if he's in no. yeah. yeah. And as Samba probably should have done better on that one as well, actually, letting the ball in at his near post. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it seems a bit churlish to, to complain about the defending when we usually complain that um, we don't get enough enough goals in, in Liga. So <laughs> I think it was a great match, and I don't want to use the phrase, but I will anyway. It was a, I think it was a good advert for Liga. And, yeah, certainly the... Uh, I think Wahi's goal was very well taken as well. And then um, yep. Minamino's winner was was excellent. Um, you know, the really good sort of cut inside and, and curling into the top corner, which, um, although Lance fans might disagree, was a, was a perfect way to end the match. Um, unfortunately, the multiplex on Sunday... Was less of a good advert. We had Le Havre winning, uh, losing two uh, one to Ras, who needed a ninety sixth minute retaken penalty to get the win there. So, unless I'm wrong, was it a different person who took the? No, I think I think it was the same. Okay. Same, same, same guy, but it was a bit. Uh, the goalkeeper came off his line, because imperceptibly. Uh, so that was. I think we said it before. I don't um, have a problem. Vance with also, that. we're down to ten men at this point, so I think they're probably a bit cross about the whole situation. <laughs> I think I don't have an issue with keepers being told off for coming off their line if. The penalty takers stop doing all that stupid stuttering. I don't think it's fair. I think. Oh, you, feels... you were right. It was Ito that took the first one, but then Darami uh, took the retake. So, yes, it was two different people after Gugler had been uh, also yellow carded for coming off his line. Yeah, that doesn't feel right to me either. You can change penalty takers. But there you go. Um, we also saw Toulouse um, snapping back a little bit um, to beat Lille 3-1. Um, that was all. Lille went ahead in the first, just on the stroke of half time, and then Toulouse bossed the second half. So that was a comeback for them, which I think hopefully will make them feel a bit better after their European travails. And then, unfortunately, Nice-Clermont was a nil-nil draw, which I don't think any of us need to spend any 
particular time on. I think uh, um, Nice, bear in mind, are fourth in the league and Clermont are dead last. So that was not particularly edifying for Les Ignans. I'd say on um uh in terms of Nice, I mean actually it could have been worse for them because Bulka saved the penalty. I think it's his fourth penalty save of of the season. So um yeah, Nice are really not in a good place. Or well, that's a bit harsh, as you said, they're fourth. But the problem is, as, as we all said earlier in the season, if you're sort of one nils are all very well as long as you're scoring the ones, but um, it doesn't take much of a sort of turnaround to make those results suddenly look a lot worse. And I think that's what, what we're seeing now. And and as much as maybe when they were sort of first second in the table, they were seen to be overperforming. I think with the players they've got, they really should be doing better and certainly playing better football than they are now. So, um, I yeah, I think it's one to watch, but I think it's really disappointing. And Toulouse-Lille, the only thing there is that I'd say all of Toulouse's goals, I mean, certainly Lille's view could easily, I, I think, you know, the referee arguably had an assist for all of them. And uh, yeah, Lille, the Lille contingent were pretty annoyed <laughs> about how that went. And I know as they are everywhere all the time, referees are in the spotlight, but I don't think that referee um, did his profession any favours in that match. I felt a bit sorry for Lil there. Um, we should mention just on the European front that OM are going to face Villarreal in the next round. Lille, of course, are also in Europe, in the Europa Conference thing. What's it? Uh, they sat the last round out because it was the playoff situation, but they've been drawn against Strom Gratz in the next round. And one thing that kind of bugs me a bit is that on a lot of the podcasts I listen to are very Premier League focused, and they all keep banging on about Aston Villa, and it's theirs to win and whatever, but Lille are good. And Lille are in this competition, so they've they've got a decent chance. I mean, despite that slightly shaky form recently and that result at the weekend, but you know they could they could go deep in a European competition. I think. I th- yeah, I think on their day, they they've got some really excellent footballers. I just think they're all a bit mercurial, sort of Cabela, Zarogva. Can never say his name. Um, David, um, they're all match winners, but they can all go missing as well. But certainly, yeah, I think they're capable of giving anyone a good match. And I haven't looked at the full rundown of teams that have gone through. I mean, Ajax were extremely lucky in both legs to to um, to go past Bodo, Bodo Glimt. I thought, um, yeah, I, th- I think. Um, Look, I mean, with the riches they've got, and Aston Villa are one of those teams that I think of, no one mentions how much they've spent, but they've spent an absolute fortune in the last few years and arguably should have um, been doing better than they have been until this season. They, I, It's probably always fair to make a Premier League a favourite. I know mm. in uh, podcasts that I listen to, they, they kind of say, they've not even impliedly said a few times in the past, by all by all rights, you know, 
the four semi-finalists in the Champions League should be the four Premier League representatives every year and anything less than that is frankly a little bit underachieving considering the massive financial advantage they've got over everyone else but probably even more so when you're going down to the the lower I think when when the Deloitte uh, football index comes out and they do the top 30 richest clubs the vast majority of the Premier League have in there and then it's the top couple from every other league it's it is yeah. different. It does make a difference. So we'll see how how well that does. Obviously, Villa's uh, manager knows what he's doing, but so uh, we have to wait and see. Hopefully, Lille will get semi-finals at least. Maybe get a final. That would be cool. Just they uh, could do, but it's the French club in Europe, so. And- I think in, in terms of the, the next round, I think obviously the, the, the biggest thing I'm at to Marseille is that Villarreal's coach happens to be Marcelino, who was the coach of Marseille until he oh, well, to sort be of fair, brightened off. Quite a lot of coaches in, in Europe have been Marseille, it feels like. That's uh, true, but just the fact that this year, considering he started mm-hmm. the season at Marseille... Um, yeah, I just think it's an interesting subplot. And we all love a subplot and some narrative, <laughs> don't we? Um, looking at some of the other league results on Saturday, we have Lorient losing 1-0 to Nantes and Strasbourg losing 3-0 to Brest. Now, Brest are second. They're unbeaten in 12. There was a hat-trick from Camera in this game, but I think we want more to talk about Strasbourg, who are on a horrible run of form right now, really tumbling down the table. They lost on penalties in the Coupe de France last night to Lyon. What has happened to them? They were doing well and then have just kind of Tumbled. I it's a, a systemic problem, a bad run of form. I mean, the, they've lost to PSG, fine, Lance, fine, Lorient, not so fine. It, it it does feel like this could be, you know, a turning point in a bad way for their season. I think that um, I think there's different factors. I think uh, a lot of their team is are quite young and relatively inexperienced. Um, I think in terms of goals, you're sort of relying a lot on someone who I guess is a bit of a veteran and and is probably not necessarily capable of playing full ninety minutes anymore, and another striker who's a little bit streaky. Um, I think losing Matt Sells was a a, a big mm. blow. Um, I like Belarus. I think he's so got he was he was the goalkeeper that went off to Germany. I don't remember Forest. Oh right. <laughs> um, well, like Forest, I suppose. If in doubt, just say Forest. Um, so Belarus, you know, he his. 
his first match, he saved a penalty in the first five minutes from from Mbappe, and then made a, a big wicket against against PSG. And I think in this one as well, he I think it was this match where he had good moments, but also made a bit of a mistake somewhere. Maybe it was the previous match. Anyway, I think you know it's kind of. Uh, indicative of where they are they're sort of selling important players mm. late on in transfer windows not really replacing them and you know I saw like um Girona won again at the weekend and I think it's Savinho scored twice that's the Savinho who of course is actually on the books at Troyes has never played for Troyes and is probably going to join I think it's Man City so all part of the City group and Basically, you know, everything is set up for the bigger team or teams in that group. Yeah. I think something similar is happening here where, uh, um, you know, they're part of the blue group, whatever it's called, like Chelsea's kind of stable. And it's the same kind of thing. State, uh, Chelsea have sort of um, have hoarded like 50, 60 or a ridiculous number of players. And uh, just, you know, when when Vieira whatever asks for um you know says we need strengthening in this area he's basically palmed off with um someone completely unproven um on loan from Chelsea um I'm as much as I hate to say it I'm still not sure that Vieira is a top class coach anyway so I think that's also a factor but this whole sort of Chelsea City group kind of thing I think is 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 very very worrying i think it's a really yes. not a good trend in football and obviously as again as french football fans and again with the power and might of the premier league there's only ever going to be sort of one winner and one loser in that in those kind of situations definitely i mean it feels to me like vieira would be a decent coach if things were going well yeah and when things are not going well not so good because it's a different skill set, isn't it? To drag yourself out of the mire. Um, on which <laughs> Friday night, uh, the comeback continues for Leon. He won 2 1 at Mets. Uh, goals from Lacazette and Ben Rama around uh, Mets, uh, from Mikatadze. Goal there. There was a really intense and detailed banner up in the Mets home end. Did you see this? I did, I caught a glimpse of it on the footage, but didn't didn't see a, a still. I don't think what, I did, but they're not very happy at the moment. Yeah, what are they not happy about? Would you be able to um, elaborate a little bit? Yeah, I mean, firstly, on the match, it was really kind of frustrating. I mean, Lyon were awful in the first half and Mets took advantage at first through Mikatelsi and then had really good chances, a couple of really good chances to to go two or three up. And then literally the last kick of the half, Lacazette, I mean, it was brilliant uh, centre-forward play, but someone had a pot shot from, from outside the area. It was clearly meant to be a shot, a goal, but Lacazette very cleverly sort of intercepted it and then finished very well. And that was just such a sickener for for Mess. By the way, that all came from an attack after Mess should have been given a corner, but a goal kick was given. 
Um, and then once Lyon took the lead, I think Mess or pussyfooted around, but never really looked like breaking through. Um, so yeah, it was it was a painful one to take, but basically not happy because there just doesn't seem to be any grown-up sporting policy there. I think we've spoken about it before, but um, didn't bring anyone in January. We're linked with every sort of third-rate player in Europe, but none of them even wanted to join. We brought back on loan a couple of former strikers. We we sent away uh, two strikers that we only brought in at the start of the season, one we'd bought, one we'd, we'd we brought in on loan. The one we brought in on loan who we sent away, I think, scored a trophy winning goal in his in his first match for his new team, um, having not scored for us at all. Um we um I think I mentioned before, we brought in a fullback, um sort of aging fullback, and then like last day of the transfer window in the summer then brought in the league the fullback of the year. So again, it kind of just rings alarm bells. You're just making it up as you go along, aren't you? Why didn't you bring him in in the first place? Um, there just seems no ambition. And there's this running joke about us being a yo-yo club, but it it feels like just feels like we're so obsessed with um making sure that we're in a good state to come out of it's a little bit like how we always say about all these clubs who fight to get into the Europa League via by the league and table and then the following year kind of uh don't take it seriously in order that they can focus on the league in order to get a place in the Europa League it yeah. feels like mess are so obsessed with being in a good state to get promoted from league two but it never occurs to them to maybe try to stay in Ligue 1 in the first place. Um, so, yeah, the fans are unhappy. There was a sort of pitch invasion, peaceful this time, unlike their last home match, but pitch invasion um, at the end of the match. Um, and it just, I mean, they did play with a lot of heart against Lyon, I thought, more than we've seen for a few weeks. But just everything there seems bad. Like even, you know, you expect at least the players and the coach to kind of put on a front and say the right things. But too often, even then, like the coach or, you know, last week it was Akija sort of say, well, we're just not good enough. And you don't really want to be hearing that when there is still something to play for. I mean, we are a little bit adrift now and that that non-win um, at the weekend Against Lorient, mm. it's really, really not ideal. But I think we've got Nantes and Le Havre next. I mean, we're not going to get six points from them, but get six points and, and we've got a fighting chance and something to build on. Um, but if everyone is already admitting defeat and, you know, Claremont yeah. look a better place than us to stay up right now, then... Um, Lorient have strung some good wins together before the defeat exactly yeah. yeah i mean no, i didn't i didn't not i didn't appreciate i thought it was a little bit silly to talk about the leon match as as a sort of six pointer or a, you know something between two potential relegation candidates that's the basic difference between the two teams you know um they brought in 100 million pounds worth of transfers in 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 january we scraped a couple of uh loan deals for former players who are sort of 
persona non grata where they are at the moment um they had goals scored by um two former premier league players um we didn't <laughs> yeah you know they're capable of having former premier league players in their team we can't even dream about that so it's you know it's silly to however bad the which start... which is where you need a good management structure at a higher level to maybe bring in people from was it football future or something like that to um compensate for not having the money to spend you need to have a really good scouting system and it sounds like that isn't what's happening well i think you know we're still always bringing in decent players from from generation foot in senegal and you know there's a two or three with great potential knocking around at the moment by the way there's another one called Amara Diouf, who's like 15, 16, he's already a Senegal international. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those players who never even plays for Mess, that one of the big clubs will sign him before he's even appeared for them. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, they are, you know, they're, they're talented players. But firstly, you can't yet rely on them. Secondly, you can't yet rely on, you know, even if they hit the ground running, you can't rely on two or three players. You need a fully well thought out squad. You, I don't want to, you know, at risk of sort of going a little bit Laurent Blanc or whatever. You you do want maybe a couple more sort of homegrown players. You've only, we've only really got Mathieu Udol, you know, someone from the area who sort of <laughs> bleeds Grenna, if you want. Um, you want, uh, you certainly need a creative player. And frankly, we've only really got um, Jalo, who's injured. And, you know, the only other player maybe is Atta, but for some reason, no one even gives him a try. So, um, yeah, it's just a very badly uh, thought out, I guess, strategy. And, and that's what happens when you make it up as you go along rather than, you know, coming into, I guess, July, August with a very clear view about who you want what you want how you want to play and where you want to be six months down the line yeah. so the the final game in Liga was PSG versus Ren which was interesting for a couple of reasons uh Ren went ahead to Guiri just about the half hour mark uh PSG equalized in the 97th minute with a Ramos penalty, Ramos had come on Mbappe. Uh, Julian Stefan, the Ren manager, no happy with the penalty. Um, but also a lot of people talking about Mbappe being taken off. Um, he has since turned up at uh, a big banquet by Macron, uh, where there are some very amusing photographs. Um, but a blip, I mean, Renault in good form. Is this just a blip for BSG? Is there anything pointed about Mbappe being taken off given all the Real Madrid stuff, etc.? What do you think of, of that situation? I think, it's, yeah, in terms of the result, Renault in good form. They're a good team. PSG are not always a good team. 
and um Ren really seemed to be a bogey team for PSG. They they mm. seem to beat them more often than anyone else, and if not beat them, certainly give them a good game. So uh yeah, I mean in one sense, Ren were extremely unlucky because the 97th minute equalizer, and in my opinion, that was never a penalty in a million years. Um on the other hand, Ren didn't necessarily do too much apart from score their goal. Um, the 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 Mbappe thing, I think it's. I mean, it seems very clear from what Enrique said. I'm not sure it's necessarily a, um, you know, we're gonna sort of torture him and treat him particularly badly because he's leaving. But I think from comments that Enrique has made before, and you know, it's the running joke that we've all been making. What Mbappe, until now, what Mbappe wants, what Mbappe gets when he wants to play, he plays. When he doesn't want to play, um, he doesn't. But more often than not, even in sort of meaningless cup games, he insists on playing and and Enrique can't do much about it. So, and Enrique has, has pretty much said, I think, well, now you are leaving. Uh, the official spin he's putting on it is... I need to prepare my team for next year. We need to get used to playing without you. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit more to it than that and just sort of, you know, I'm a serious manager. I've won the Champions League. I don't appreciate being dictated to by players. So now I've got an excuse to do it. I will make sure I I show who's boss. But Mbappe wasn't playing too badly. Um, He certainly wasn't... uh, I thought Barcola was was um, having a worse game than him, for example. Um, and when you're a goal down and, and chasing a game, it seems a strange thing to do to take to take your, you know, clearly best player and certainly best goal scorer off. Um, but I suppose they've got enough of a, a lead in the table that Enrique can maybe afford to play those games, whatever whatever the reason for it. But, you know, had they not equalised late on, I think maybe... And, uh, and maybe through Gonzalo Ramos. Yeah. Who, I mean, he won the penalty as well as scoring it. Does that maybe give um, Luis Enrique a bit of an out? Because he can say, oh, it was a good decision. Look what happened. It... Um, it does feel unconvincing, I think, over there. But uh, I think we've said that a lot over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, it uh, wasn't, you know, certainly their, I'd say their, their back line was probably not their starting starting defence. But, you know, as well as Guiri took the goal, the way Danilo, for example, let him walk past him was was pretty shocking. And and I think there's all the same concerns that we've always had there, that it's all very well getting away with doing that against at home against Wren, but um, you're not going to win the Champions League playing like that. Yeah. And I, I am guessing that, uh, you know, maybe not against Sociedad, but, um, you know, in the quarterfinal, assuming PSG get there, if they're a goal down to whatever Real Madrid or or Man City or whoever it is, I'm guessing Enrique will not be taking Mbappe off after an hour then. No. <laughs> no. Um, so the other um, competition we've 
we are having this week, um, we mentioned briefly earlier, um, Lyon uh, beat Strasbourg in the Coupe de France quarterfinals on penalties last night after a nil-nil draw, nothing to see here. Uh, currently, Rouen are playing Valenciennes. Tomorrow, Thursday, Le Puy are playing uh, Rennes. And then PSG Nice, for some reason, is mid-March, which, given that, you know, they could have played this midweek, I didn't really get that. But mm. anyway, so that's um, that's going on as we speak. And also is the final of the Women's Nations League. Uh, France beat Germany in semi-final on Saturday, I think, um, which was pleasing. Um, and they are currently playing Spain in the final. Spain beat the Netherlands 3-0. So really, the top four teams in uh, in Europe uh, fighting out the the last box there. So allez les bleus. Um, hopefully, they can put something together. Um, looks a much happier camp, which I think we're all expecting after the uh, replacement of Kondiakrobay uh, over Renard. Um, but whether happiness equals tactical nous and efficiency is something we wait to see. So next week, we will be able to tell you about that. Um, in terms of the games coming up in, uh, in Liga, we got the big Friday night game is Monaco PSG. On Saturday, we have Reims versus Lille and Clermont-Marseille. On Sunday, the Sunday lunch game is Toulouse-Nice. Then we have Brest versus Love, Nantes versus Metz, Monaco-Strasbourg, which frankly looks like it could be the most depressing game in the world. Yeah. Uh, Rennes versus Lorient and finishing... Uh, the big Sunday night game is Lyon versus Lens, which a couple of weeks ago would have looked like a walkover for Lens, but now doesn't so much. Um, I'd say that's the game of the weekend, along with Monaco PSG. But do you have any other matches of interest you want to point out to the listenership? Well, I think, um, as I said, not, not mess is kind of, Similarly to Montpellier, Strasbourg, pretty important in terms mm. of the bottom of the table. Um, but I wouldn't recommend that any neutral watch that. Um, it's a multiplex, so you can just watch three matches at the same time. They'll just show you the goals. Yeah, probably best that way. Fine. Um, yeah. Of, of the multiplex, I would say that best love because the potential to be the the best watch i mean west obviously are flying at the moment and i think love are playing some decent football um i think monaco psg obviously is a big one again uh, you know after ren maybe monaco or psg's next bogey team and i think they maybe beat them earlier in the season i can't remember so they that that could be a an interesting one and sort of just as a fun match to watch with not necessarily a massive amount um, relying on it. I think Reims-Lille could be good. Yeah. So both teams can play really good stuff and can be pretty average as well. So I think that one could be could be good fun. Yeah. 
And just as a final note, um, those of you who follow Ligue or maybe have seen some of this news on uh, social media, Abadelis of Bordeaux um, were, was involved in a fairly horrible um, accident in their game on Saturday. Uh, he was put into an coma. He was operated on. Um, and we've now got news, uh, and reporting that he's been brought out of that artificial coma and that hopefully things are going to get better for him. See, the uh, Bordeaux was saying we want to stay prudent and cautious about letting you know what's happening and, and what is happening. But obviously, all our thoughts go out to him, his club, and his family after what was um, a, a, a very unfortunate incident. There's no, I think, no um, sense that it was, you know, a, a bad tackle. I think it was just a horrible clash of heads that really uh, knocked him for six and obviously had a, an impact and that he. Uh, was uh, looking at uh, cranial trauma after that. So we really hope, obviously, Albert Ellis uh, is, um, recovers uh, as soon as possible and thoughts go out to them. So to finish on that note, um, we will be back next week. Chris will be back with presumably stiff legs and a multitude of photos of small football grounds in Malta <laughs> if you've been following him on Twitter so we look forward to speaking to you then if you have any questions hit us up on Twitter and we will speak to you very soon enjoy your French football